chapter 24, starting in verse 44, and then we're going to do a reading from uh, Matthew. It'll be here on the screen, although there's Bibles in front of you if you want to take hold of one of those, or you can pull out your uh, device and close all of your other apps and just get to the Bible one. Uh, let's read the Scripture together this morning. Starting in verse 44 of Luke 24, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And our next reading is from Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. I'm going through to verse 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me, given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I pray that God would bless the reading of his word to our hearts and to our minds this morning. What is your definition of a Christian? Have you ever tried to define it in a handful of words? Maybe as few of words as possible. Uh, is it someone who is just a part of the Christian tradition or Christian culture? Some might define it that way. Someone who believes in God. Well, there are different versions of God or gods. Someone who goes to church, reads the Bible, and prays. Now, that might just be a religious person. Someone who thinks that Jesus was the Savior. But is thinking that enough? Someone who believes in Jesus. We are in a series called Disciplable Me. And, you'll, and you may notice that... Uh, we have corrected the spelling. Some of you were very urgent in your request to make sure that the word that doesn't exist was spelled correctly. <laughs> so we, we put another L in there just to make those of you who that bothered a little more happy. So disciplable me. And hopefully this series has made you pause for a moment or two and ask the question, even though it's not a word, am I discipleable? See, we're trying to help you understand that a Christian is a disciple of Jesus. When Jesus invited him or people to follow him, he wasn't talking about Facebook or Instagram. To follow him was enrollment into the way of Jesus. It is to know him, to know what he taught, and to obey him. There's lots of different ways that we can be obedient to the teaching of Jesus. But here are five targets or five marks we hope you will find helpful as you plot out your discipleship journey. So here's what we have talked about so far. 
disciples gather. You know, we've talked about this before. We talked about celebrating big. Hint, most of the answers are on the wall. We've talked about they gather. We want you to join the family of God that Jesus started, where you can gather together, worship him, and be aligned with his truth. Disciples group. That's an active thing. They group. You know, we want people to connect small, learn the teachings of Jesus, um, but be in relationship where you can spiritually care for other people, where you can be cared for. Disciples grow or they walk with Jesus, learning the teachings of Jesus and obeying them. We talked about the importance of not just hearing the word, but being people who do the word, hear and do. Disciples also give. They share the work. They understand the unique part that they can play in God's kingdom for the benefit of the church as well as the rest of the world. Now this week, we're talking about our final G word, which is to go. Disciples go, or how we've said it before, we engage in mission. That is to answer the call of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, to incarnate the gospel in our homes, neighborhoods, workplaces, and wherever else Jesus might take us. Okay, here are the three points for this sermon. Um, We are supposed to go, baptize, and teach. But before we can get to those three points... Uh, I'm going to sneak two more points in at the very beginning, kind of as prerequisites to the other three points that we're going to get to. So first we're going to look, we're going to get to the Matthew passage, but first we're going to look at the passage we read from Luke. So we're supposed to go, baptize, and teach, but first we need to let Jesus open the scriptures for us, and we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, before you go into all of the earth, signing other people up for Christianity, And discipling them, you'd better do a little research so that you know what you're signing them up for, so that you know what you signed up for. So you're not going to get very far as a disciple, let alone as a disciple maker, if you don't know the scriptures. It's not even actually enough to know the scriptures. We also need Jesus to open our mind to understand them. See, again, in that Luke passage we read in verse 45, it says, Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. It wasn't until the disciples had the risen Jesus do something supernatural to their minds that they could really understand the scriptures. This group was well acquainted with the scriptures, in fact, but they were missing the focal point. That's why the Jews were so confused about what the Messiah would look like. There was many different groups that all said the Messiah was going to be something uniquely different. And it was all there, but they couldn't imagine one person being all that was said about the Messiah. And then along comes Jesus. But once they had their eyes on the risen Jesus, the scriptures became alive. I believe we need to have that same focal point. There's lots of ways to get deeper into the word, apps on your phone, join a life group, listen to podcasts, watch videos on Right Now Media, go to Bible school, just take a class at a a Bible school. And in fact, we encourage you to do all of those things, but focus on Jesus, the risen Jesus, and let him guide you through the scriptures. Now, 
Steve alluded to this earlier, and I had thoughts about this earlier as well. Perhaps some weeks you come to church with barely the will to carry on. Perhaps that's you today. You feel defeated, weak, worn out, as if all your strength is gone. And then the preacher dares to stand up and tell you that you're not doing enough. Get out there. Be a change agent. You know, meet new people. Talk publicly about your faith. Learn a new language. Move to a different country. Be a recruiter for Christianity. Maybe some of you are that eager. God bless you. (laughs) But maybe some of you are more like me. And leaving the house doesn't seem like a good idea most days. It's too dangerous or scary, emotionally costly. Remember, we talked about this earlier in our series as well. Remember that Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. There is a cost, but Jesus often said his kingdom was like something where there was a cost, but in comparison to what can be attained, it is nothing. Like the man who in his joy went and sold everything he had so that he could buy the field that held the great treasure. That's in Matthew chapter 13 if you'd like to look it up later. If you feel like you're barely hanging on, stick with us. This message is for you, not just the spiritual elites. See, Jesus told his disciples to go and wait for power from on high. First, you need to receive power. It's one thing to think Christianity is true. It's another thing to have an encounter with the risen Jesus. And it's still another thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I kind of like the way that that's said, clothed with power. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you go to school or work naked? In most cases, leaving the house naked isn't a good idea. It's a good idea to be clothed. I think most people would agree with that. But how many of you have been walking around spiritually naked, showing up at work without first being clothed in power, heading out to your kids' sports games, without first putting on Christ, his character, and power through the Holy Spirit. If you feel like your Christian life hasn't been going very well, it's been a little bit tough lately, or maybe evangelism isn't going very well, maybe it's because you're trying to do it spiritually naked. You need to be clothed with power from on high. We must wait on the Holy Spirit. Here at Hillcrest, we have three strategies, three strategic anchors that we think will make us successful over time. The first one is we think we should pursue excellence and relevance in programs and communication. That means we want to run really great programs for our kids and for our student ministries. We also believe that we're supposed to work hard to communicate as best we can God's truth in clear and relevant ways. We believe we need to have a clear discipleship pathway We want both new disciples, new believers, and mature disciples to know what their next step is on their spiritual journey. The third one is total dependence on the Holy Spirit. We want to start everything we do by waiting, waiting on the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Alpha has some really great Holy Spirit sessions? 
In fact, a huge chunk of Alpha is talking about the Holy Spirit. If you want to know more or experience more of the Holy Spirit, you should try Alpha. It'll be coming again here in the new year. One of the things that they say in those sessions is that being filled is something that you need to do continually. Be filled and continue to be filled. At the end of our service, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we will pray for you. You can just come forward, tell the prayer teams, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can be a witness for Jesus, and they will pray for you. Okay, so our prerequisites to the three points that will be coming in the sermon, my three-point sermon. Let Jesus take you through the scriptures and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now that that's out of the way, we can start into the sermon. Typical preacher. Okay, so go, baptize, and teach. A few comments about going. Or again, in our discipleship pathway, we've talked about this as engaging in mission. When I hear engage in mission, I think I kind of default to going means on a plane and heading overseas or getting on a starship and going where no man has gone before. Star Trek, anyone? Any, no, mostly Star Wars people here? Okay. Um, but I think, you know, I often think of a grand gesture. And for some, that's what it should mean. But for many of us, I think it starts much smaller. So a few comments on go. When you, when you go, think go first, maybe. Take the initiative. Go first in offering eye contact or a smile to a stranger. Go first in offering a greeting uh, to your coworker, maybe one of the other parents on your kid's sports team, saying, hi, how are you? How was your weekend? Invite people to be with you. Ask them to sit next to you on the bleachers. Make a space for them. Be the first one to introduce yourself at a party. Not too long ago, at my son's Taekwondo class, there was an open seat next to me, kind of one of the only seats left on the bench. Somebody else came in. I simply gestured, here's the open seat. You can sit next to me. And it's been several weeks now, and that person almost always comes and finds me and sits down beside me. They know that's an open spot, even if there's not a spot. Something very, very simple. Go first. We often say this in our greeting time, walk across the room. Don't just go to those who are like you, go to those who are different from you, who think differently and act different from you. Go first. I think we could also say, go home. There's several instances in the New Testament where Jesus sends someone home who's had a radical encounter with him. He says, go back home he starts by saying, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they all lived. <laughs> if you're ready to be obedient to Jesus' command to go, start with your family. Start with your close friends. Start with your coworkers. Start with your immediate sphere of influence. We need people to go cross-culturally and far and wide, but most of us need to start right at home. If you've begun to witness at home, then you can take those lessons learned to the rest of the world. So go first, go home, and go to the ends of the earth. 
Did you know that many of the early Christians believed that Jesus was coming back within their lifetime? Because, this, because of this, they were on a real hurry up to reach every nation that they knew about. They wanted to get to the farthest points on the map. I'm sure they could have never really imagined how big the mission was. We live in a time and a place where it seems like new people groups are forming all of the time. Not in the sense that nations and borders are constantly changing, there's some of that, but in the sense that subcultures within nations are evolving and changing and multiplying all the time. That even happens as one generation passes things on to the, to the next. I think the nations has a central part in the mission, but we must reach all of the people groups within those nations, including our own. I heard a missiologist say it this way, a waffle iron often makes four waffles. You know, you kind of put all the stuff in, you clamp the thing down, and out it comes, and you can kind of break it into four waffles. I mean, most of us would just eat all four waffles anyways, but you can break them up if you're sharing. You can break them up that way, but the missiologist said this, but when you're having waffles, you don't want to have, or you want to have all of the whipped cream and all of the syrup and all of the other toppings that you would put on it get into every divot in the waffle. That's like the people groups within a nation. Every nation, every subculture, every neighborhood, every club, every family, every sphere, every cross-section of humanity. And if we're going to get that done, it's going to take every single one of us, every single disciple of Jesus. So, first point, go. And baptize. Now, baptism is kind of many things all at once, and we can't really touch on it all right now. But here's a few things that baptism is. Baptism is identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's a sign of kingdom citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. It's a testimony. It is leaving slavery, passing through the waters of the Red Sea, beginning again as a new nation, while all of your enemy pursuers drowned in the depths. Peter said it, in, in some sense, is like entering the realm of the dead through the waters of baptism, mocking the Lord of the dead and all of evil, and rising anew into the new life that Jesus invites us to. Baptism is perhaps the most important marker for us as a church as to whether or not we're on track in making disciples who make disciples. We see in the New Testament that new believers, they believed, they were baptized, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus commands that we go baptizing. If you haven't been baptized, we invite you to be baptized. Let us know, and we'll make it happen. We won't let anyone stand in the way of committing their life to Jesus and being baptized. And then, we're supposed to be witnesses, make disciples, and then you can baptize those that you are discipling. The third one is teach. Now, how many of you, okay, gear up with great courage, Canadians, uh, gear up to raise your hand. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and by a show of hands, I'd like you to answer. How many of you have been Christians for more than three years? Okay, many of you. Okay, that's great. Jesus' disciples had three years with Jesus, and then they graduated. 
They hardly knew what degree they were studying for sometimes. Most of them had terrible marks, and it seems like most of them failed the final exam. <clears throat> Peter. And though they were dismayed by the death of Jesus, an encounter with the resurrected Jesus changed everything for them. Jesus, you know, even let Peter rewrite the exam. Jesus opened the scriptures to them. They were filled with the Spirit, and they went on to start a movement that not only continues to this day, but will never end. Jesus said that the gates of hell would not stand against the progress of his kingdom. Perhaps you don't have the gift of teaching. That's okay. Not everyone has the gift of evangelism, but we're all supposed to share our faith with others. Not everyone has the gift of prophecy, but every Christian should be willing and and eager to share the words of God that they find in the Scripture with other people. You might not all have the gift of generosity, but everyone should share with those who are in need. In fact, you know, if you can't immediately identify someone that you could be discipling in your life, you know, from the connections that you already have, you know, you should sign up for kids' ministry or for student ministry. You should book off the week of Mega Sports Camp for next year. Volunteer at Joe's Place. Sign up to be a part of the Alpha Team. Become a life group leader or co-leader. Another thought here. How long did Jesus disciple the twelve before they became believers? I don't think that you should count out your neighbor or co-worker who isn't a Christian yet. They might be your disciple. If you don't know where to start with discipling, try Alpha. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and it means to be the starting place. We talk about who Jesus is, why did Jesus die, and how to have faith. That all happens within the first few weeks. Again, I mentioned Alpha will be running again in the new year. And uh, if, you, if you need to, you should be signing up to participate with us this year. Now, Not just teach, but teach to obey. This is perhaps the greatest error in many churches in the Western world. We like to know stuff, but we don't do it. Uh, I have learned, and I know lots about um, nutrition. (laughs) Uh, Not every day is a victory. Do you have the same experience? Right, what about fitness? Most of us know how to do a burpee, but ah, it's been a while. Uh, I think in our, we just tend to like to know lots about things, but don't actually put it into practice. Um, that's why we make great effort here at Hillcrest to constantly be recommending tools, resources, groups, events, another support. We're not here just to dispense Christian teaching. Quite honestly, there's way better teachers out there than us. We, you know, if you just want to be wowed by teachers, there's other great options out there. We're here to help you obey. If you want to go through our Discipleship Pathway Assessment online, we'll remind you about it and what you hope to accomplish each year. If you fill it out with your life group leader, your leader will ask you about it and encourage you to keep at it, to keep going, to keep taking your next step. We need to not just know the teaching, but be obedient to it. And we need to teach others 
not to just know the information, but to obey. As we head towards uh, the end um, of this message, I'll invite the worship team to come on back. Perhaps you are not a Christian. You were maybe invited by a friend or a family member, or you just happened to pop in to try to see what Christianity is all about. And you've been thinking, boy, I wish I picked a different Sunday. Maybe you're searching for meaning and purpose. Maybe you're in a desperate situation and think God is the only one who can help. See, Jesus came offering eternal, abundant life, life in all of its fullness. He came to rescue us from our sin and shame, to conquer death, to give us new life. And he's inviting you to put your faith in him today. He died so that we could live. And if you would like to be a disciple of Jesus, to know him, to know what he teaches, and to obey him, you can pray this very simple prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to encourage you to take your next step, to be mindful of how you can grow in each one of these categories when it comes to celebrating big be a part of what we do on Sunday mornings. If that's a baby step for you, just make it, more, make it more consistent to be here where we encourage you to do that. For those of you who, this is kind of a, just a, a part of your natural rhythms, we encourage you to be on the lookout for other people who would be blessed by being here and gathering with us. Would you invite someone to come with you to church? Disciples group, be in relationships where you can be spiritually cared for and where you can play a part in caring for someone else. Some of you need to make more uh, stronger connections with other people here at Hillcrest so that you can grow. Disciples grow, learn the teachings of Jesus, and obey them. Dig into the Word. Uh, take baby steps in learning how to read the Bible, how to pray. We encourage you to do that. We went through Hearing God uh, a series last year. I encourage you to find that on YouTube and go through that. There's tons of resources that can go along with that. Uh, 